great to be with you. Let's talk about the future, shall we? Yes, is part of our future outer space, literally outer space. Well, the push for South Australia to lead uh, the renewal uh, of the Aussie space race is certainly gaining momentum, and rightly so, with our uh, our uh, pretty good history. But one of the many events helping our reputation as a leader in the area of new technology is called Hybrid World Adelaide, which kicks off this Friday. And joining me is the lady in charge, Amanda Duthie. Hello there. Hello, good afternoon. Good to see you. We're also joined by uh, Flinders University. Professor Alice Gorman, also known as Dr. Space Junk. I love your nickname, Alice. Appeared at random and it's just kind of stuck. <laughs> it's stuck. That's something you'll never shake off, I reckon. Hey, listen, let's begin uh, with, with you, um, Amanda. Hybrid World Adelaide. What is it? It's multifaceted. <laughs> mm. It's uh, We have a two-day development lab that kicks off this Friday with 15 projects from all over Australia going through an intensive work two-day workshop with all of the mentors and special guests from the conference, mm. uh, and they'll be looking at all of those projects. It's got a fantastic prize at the end. There's $85,000 development money up for grabs, thanks to Tech and SA, and um, projects will be vying for that. At, uh, at the conference on Monday. So the conference kicks off Monday mm-hmm. 23rd, Tuesday 24th. Tickets are still available. Um, and it's an incredible array of industry-facing thinkers and makers and leaders in the innovation and technology industries, whether it is from space, like uh, Alice, who's here today, mm-hmm. through to Crystal Johnson, who's coming over from NASA. But it's everything that includes AI, robotics, ag tech, you know the the built environment, the natural environment, and uh, and robots in between. I think what a lot of people don't realise is we are real leaders in this area, aren't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Uh, but a lot of the stuff is sort of happening behind the scenes, and we don't hear hear about it very much. So this is this is very much a, a celebration and a showcase of mm. the work that's happening in South Australia, and it will also be running from Friday night to Sunday night, a big public program where you can bring the grandparents or the grandparents can bring the kids uh, to come along and learn how to um, race drones. We're working with the Crows to present the high school eSports championships. We've got people teaching about twitching and podcasting. Hang We've on, got... twitching? Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Wrong age group. Twitching. What's twitching? Well, other pe- other generations call it <laughs> dancing, Alan. Oh. Um, but, uh, I the... thought we were talking about bird watching. <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's it's a fantastic new social platform where um, it's it's another form of communication, and um, Bajo uh, will be leading that that masterclass, and we can have combat robots. There'll be so many things uh, to entertain. You know everyone who comes down to the public program at the convention centre, but then at night. Mm-hmm. Because, let's face it, it's winter, so that happens at, what, quarter past five. There's an enormous water wall. So it's this enormous screen of water that is out on the River Torrens, 20 metres by 9 metres tall. And so we'll be projecting films and... um, screen content onto the water wall but also we'll be playing retro games so 
if your memory harks back to Space Invaders, <laughs> yes, and but you want to play it large, you can do that on the water wall on the river. Oh, you Torrance. can actually play it on the screen yeah, that's on the water. Yeah. So uh, that runs from it. Friday night through to Monday night, and I'm so excited. We're going to go and give it a test run on Thursday. But I've said I really bad <laughs> playing Space Invaders. Uh, now this is open to everyone, isn't it? Uh, we can go along and free of charge. Yep, the the public program yep. is all free except for some of those master classes mm-hmm. where but the prices are incredibly reasonable so you can bring all the kids and the conference is obviously ticketed and all those tickets are available online now. Mm. We hear a lot about uh, you know more emphasis being placed on STEM, you know, in mm-hmm. in our schools and so forth, which is science, technology, uh, electronics, you no, know, engineering yeah. and Medicine. Medicine. Thank you very yeah. much. Uh, I think it should be STEAM personally, but I I'm do an artist. Yeah, good. Or yeah. Teams yeah. is Team. the other yeah, way of okay. doing it. Yeah. Um, it, it. You know, it's an inter- intergenerational thing, isn't it? The younger kids will obviously be converted, but we're in this transition phase yeah. of the kids that are, you know, in high school now. Probably too late for them to be influenced by the program, uh, of the STEM program at least. Is it difficult to get them on board and get them interested? No, I think they're more digitally attuned yeah, than okay. than people who haven't grown up with, you know, mobile phones and, and computers or laptops on the end of the couch while you're watching, you know, the old system, which is television. Mm. So I think um, the great thing about hybrid world is that those... Um, STEAM generation kids can still come in and, and learn how to code or just get a little bit more hands out, um, hands-on flying hours with drones. But if they come down with their parents or their older brothers and sisters or even their grandparents, it's it sort of breaks down the mystery for all of those different generations because essentially that, that STEM generation, mm. the jobs that they will have in 20 years, we don't even know no, exactly what they are They haven't yet. been invented yet, Yeah, have they? that's right. Mm. So I think we're all on a learning journey. It's just that some are much more able than others and it's usually the youngsters. And yeah. I think what are us oldies, <laughs> well, I... Sorry to include you in that category. Wise, the wise the ones, the you mean, Yeah, Alan. the wise, yeah, more yeah, wiser ones. Yeah. We've also got to realise, haven't we, that um, I think when we left school, it was probably the average was we'd have five jobs in our career. I think it's up to 18 or something now for this yeah. generation, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And as you say, half the, the jobs haven't even been invented yeah. yet. Yeah, no, the churn is so much more, but also the churn of all information, the turnover of how we communicate with each other, where we're getting our news, how how we make those connections. It's, it's much more accelerated. Um, but it's also about trying to hold on to the values. Mm. So even, you know, in, in the space race, what, what are the ethics? What are the values that we want to have here on Earth? And then what are those values that we want to have in space? Just to create a little bit of a segue. Yeah, um, and that's where we can bring in uh, you, Alice. Um also known as uh, Dr. Space Junk, as we've, as we've said. Well, what's your fascination? How did you get involved in, in, in space? Well, the, the short story is, as, as a child, mm. I loved going outside and looking up at the Milky Way and the stars and the constellations. So it began right ba- yeah, back then. Yeah, you, you back were then. always fascinated. Yeah. And, but I was also really interested in, in human behaviour, how humans worked, why stuff happened. So... I ended up being an archaeologist. That's basically what archaeologists do. Mm. And um, maybe, I don't know, it might have been about 13 years ago, I, I just had a revelation one night. I was sitting on my veranda looking at the stars 
and I'd been working with um, Indigenous archaeology for all those years, and I thought, there's space junk up there, and uh. does it have heritage value? Can I do an archaeology of it? So it kind of united that early interest in astronomy back with my archaeological interest. And so you've combined your, your love of archaeology... With outer space, yeah. Talk about out of this world. Yeah. Sorry, that was a pun I had to use. <laughs> but that that is amazing, isn't it? That uh, we are so quickly finding ourselves in a situation where archaeology can apply to outer space. Mm, I mean, people think archaeology is about old stuff. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Really, what it's about is how we interact with the material world, how our environment and the objects that we use every day shape our behaviour and how we create and shape those as well. So mm. I suppose it's it's all very cyborgish, it's very hybrid, it's very uh, interactive. And from from my perspective, I think space has space has been important for a long time. Like we're living mm. in a world where we're connecting into satellites yeah. every mm. day, you know, without even thinking about it. And we're heading off in new directions now. We're heading in directions where um, commercial operations and private corporations are playing a much bigger role. Let, let's just, just concentrate on the on the satellites, for example, because uh, that's going to be. I think we're going to get the big tick for that. Aren't we? we are going to be launching satellites uh, that are built here in South Australia. Um, how many are up there at the moment? Of everybody's or mm. of ours? Everybody's. Um, I think there's about something like uh, 4,000 satellites that are operational. Wow. And, and how many are non-operational anymore? A huge, much bigger number yeah, than that. Yeah. There's there's satellites that don't work and then there's fragments of satellites, the stuff that's... There's been an explosion with leftover fuel or a battery. It breaks into pieces. Mm. They collide with other things. They break into other pieces. And and this is the thing that people are a bit worried about, that we'll get so to... So there'll be hundreds, no of, hundreds of thousands of pieces of uh, what we call space junk floating around up there. Millions. From Millions. that little tiny, almost molecule-sized, right up to the huge, big ones, thousands and thousands of kilograms, large, heavy. So how do you study that? It's a good question because <laughs> people think of archaeology as, as excavating. As yeah, going and looking at something and uh, uncovering and it. And not only can I not dig up there, I can't actually go there mm. either. But uh, all of these bits of stuff up there are tracked and monitored every day. So there are uh, huge databases run by NASA and European Space Agency and Roscosmos in Russia. So I, I access that data and what I try to do with it Sometimes I look at individual satellites, at their particular histories and what that means. Sometimes I look at it from what's the relationship, what kind of landscape is this we've got up there now? Mm, mm. What does this make space into? There's a common perception that space is a vacuum, it's empty. And so we put this stuff up so we could just take it out and space will go back to what it was before. Well, that's not what's going to happen. We've got a new thing now. We need to understand how all our stuff interacts with what's a very dynamic and complex environment. Because once there. we put something up there, we can't really bring it back if it's if it's in orbit and out of control. We can't at the moment. There's a certain altitude above Earth where mm. the atmosphere pulls things mm, back in, yeah, yep. not quickly enough, but it does. And at the moment, we don't have the technology to actively remove something that's a hazard. Lots of people are working on it, but look, I don't know, we might be 
10 years from having something that might work at a concept experimental phase even. So it's a bit of an interesting problem. We need a garbage spaceship. We do. We don't. We, we need a big uh, vacuum up there. Yeah. You know, one of those leaf blowers <laughs> on a Sunday is... morning. Or a leaf sucker. <laughs> yeah, yes. something like that. Yeah. But Alice has Blow this, um, in her presentation, she's got this amazing image of um, an image of the Earth, but then there's this cloud mm. that surrounds Earth that is essentially pollution that you would find the in junk. the ocean or, yeah. you know, alongside the river, but actually it surrounds our entire planet, but up in, in space. It's... If, if you've got a question or you want to make a comment, give us a call, 8223 0000. Alice, if we don't try to get, if we don't get on top of this, if this just keeps on going, the trend of the space junk, what's going to happen? Well, there's a theory called, uh, it's called the Kessler syndrome, mm-hmm. and it's that at a certain point, the number of collisions between bits of junk and the number of fragments that are created from those which keep colliding will set up a self-sustaining reaction and there'll be nothing we can do at that point. We'll keep getting more and more bits and each bit is a a collision hazard in its own right. So what people fear Okay, so the more collisions... Sorry to interrupt. The more collisions we get, the the more more fragments we have because more things will break up. Exactly, exactly. So... The kind of worst-case scenario is that we won't be able to leave the Earth because, like, already this is something I find fascinating about space. Space insurance is a huge industry, so everything that gets sent into space has to be insured against collision that causes it to stop functioning. So we might get to the point where nothing can go up there without being damaged in some way. Is that right? So it's so cluttered we couldn't get find a, a clear path? Or uh, I guess that's... Visually, when you see pictures of this, it, it, it does look like everything's really close. It's not really yeah. close, but when you're moving through it, the, you have a much, in, the more stuff there is, the more likely you are to have a collision. Mm. So, mm. so visually, it's So probably, either you crash into something or it crashes into you. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Which will have mm. an impact on space tourism. Mm. Mm. at some point in the future. We're going to talk about space tourism uh, after a quick break. Uh, fascinating subject, this. We're talking to uh, Amanda Duthi, who is uh, uh, the, the lady in charge of Hybrid World Adelaide, which is a great event, kicks off uh, this Friday. We've also got uh, Dr Space Drunk with us, <laughs> Alice like Gorman. That, I do <laughs> like that title. I want to see your credit uh, your uh, not your credit card, but your business <laughs> card during the break. Back after this. Turn your unused outdoor space into a great entertainment area this winter with Louver House. A Louver House opening and closing roof helps you entertain all year round, keeping rain out and letting the light in. You'll never have to worry about the weather again because rain sensors and motorised blades automatically give you peace of mind, whilst LED lighting will brighten any area. Find out more with a free, no-obligation design, measure and quote. See the light and live life your way with Louver House. Louverhouse.com.au In just over a year, the eastern departments will be completed and you could be enjoying the benefits of your new investment. Two-bedroom apartments from $417,000 with 5.5% rental return guaranteed. Meet the East End. EastEndLiving.com.au Extended. One day only. 60 months interest-free at Domain. No deposit, no interest with 60 equal monthly payments until July 2023. Extended. One day only. Must end Tuesday. Lounges dining outdoor and 60 months interest-free. Ends Tuesday at Domain. Mattresses, ensembles, bedroom furniture and 60 months interest-free. No deposit, no interest until 2023 ends Tuesday. Don't miss 60 months interest-free at Domain. 
Approved applicants only. Minimum finance $1,000. Interest applies if you don't comply with terms and conditions. Fees exclusions apply. See store for details. G'day, Keith Conlon here. If you're anything like me and want to take stunning photos on your holidays, then do what I do and see the photography experts. That's Diamonds Cameras, of course. Whether it's wild landscapes or famous landmarks, you'll capture them perfectly with a Nikon Coolpix compact camera. Or for something more powerful, maybe try a Nikon Digital SLR. From the Grand Canyon to a holiday with the grandkids, trust the well-travelled team at Diamonds Cameras, 165 Rundle Street in the city. That's your best shot. No I in team? There isn't ours. Morn team. Our whole team is dedicated to giving you the best car buying experience. To prove it, we'll let you test drive your nearly new wheels your way. Take home your new Hyundai Tucson, Kona or i30 so you can turn up your favourite tunes, take your bestie for a spin and make the neighbour jealous. Morn team Hyundai. Test drive it to your garage, keep it overnight and return it the next day. Come and see the team at Morn team Hyundai Cheltenham. 5AA recommends the best services and products across SA. Adelaide Guitar Festival returns this August with an unparalleled lineup of guitarists from around the world. August 9 to 12, Adelaide Festival Centre. Book at adelaideguitarfestival.com.au. In Adelaide and across South Australia, this is Alan Hickey. Scratch your caravan, Walker Crash Caravan Repairs. Easy insurance repairs, fast. 12 minutes away from 2 o'clock, we're having a very, very interesting discussion about a very big event that kicks off here in Adelaide at the Convention Centre on Friday evening. It's called Hybrid World Adelaide, and it's basically the coming together of the future, but it's happening right here, right now in Adelaide. And it also uh, leads into a conference that kicks off on Monday, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that at the moment. But we have with us at the moment uh, Amanda Duffy, who is uh, uh, running the Hybrid World Adelaide, and also just happens to be in charge of the Film Commission, mm. person of many talents. We've also got uh, Adelaide or Flinders University uh, Professor Alice Gorman, who's also commonly known as Dr Space Junk. There you go, I said it again. And we've been talking about outer space, and, and, and Alice, is outer space tourism a reality? Is it going to really happen, or is it just pie-in-the-sky stuff? Oh, it really sounds like a science fiction scenario, it does, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Well, but... you know, when we were kids, we would all be flying to work. In spaceships, weren't we? That still hasn't happened. And we still don't have jetpacks either. No, we don't have jetpacks either, no. Not yet the Jetsons. But uh, a couple of years Hang on, but we could do this. Remember that? Lost in space. space. (laughs) Um, But people do have friendly robots now. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. with the same attitude as that robot, but, um, yeah, we just haven't landed on another planet. No, not yet. But it, it, it is a reality, is it? It's not just well, cl- cloud in the sky Already stuff. you can take a, a suborbital flight, which will give you, you know, 30 seconds of uh, experiencing zero-G. And, you know, the like Richard Branson and mm. Musk and Bezos and all that crowd, like, they're, they're planning on this being a market. So a recent estimate of cost, the, the first space tourists who went on to the Russian Mir space station and the International Space Station cost millions of dollars. And they had to train as astronauts, like they did all of mm. the training. But space tourists of the future won't have to do that training. Like, I mean, you know, if you're at death's door, maybe it's not going to be the best idea ever. But according to Professor Walter Peters, who comes out to Adelaide 
for the International Space University mm-hmm. every summer. Mm-hmm. He used to be an astronaut trainer, and he said that 86% of people are actually physically fit enough to go to space. So this is, if you're, if you're not doing that terrible, rigorous training, if you just have to be well enough to go yep. into orbit, 86% of people. Because you wow. assume you have to be Olympic standard mm. fitness. Mm. So I suppose what that means is 86% of people won't die the minute they get into orbit. (laughs) And one of the recent cost estimates is just for like a short flight up and coming back is $200,000. Like that's a lot of money, but it's not impossible. Well, it's not millions, which we're used to hearing millions thrown around, aren't we? Yeah. So it's not going to be. It's going to be quite a while before we've got a, you know, a, a swishy space hotel where you can go and check in and have your little glass of mm. champagne. Although I should say, champagne in space isn't yet possible. But we do have an Australian developed space beer, especially <laughs> for. Of course we do. Of course we do. Um, so there's going to be. Hang lots on. Of... How come beer is possible, not champagne? I can't remember the technical stuff, but it's something to do with the bubbles. It is so the bubbles, bubbles is it? Yeah. Smaller, aren't they? Um, so the beer is uh, like a stout, um, ah, because okay. yeah. so that means the bubbles taste more like you expect because yeah. of yeah. that kind of viscosity. Also, stout is very nutritious, as we all know. Yeah. So it's a perfect <laughs> space um, tick, space tick. drink. But yeah, you know, like it's not going to be having. Mm. Um, the kind of holiday experience no. you might have at a resort here. But for people who mm. really want to feel what it's like, and as Amanda said, mm. to have that view, you might not be actually all the time in orbit. You might just be mm. close to orbit. But mm. to have that view, I think that's something that a lot of people would really Are, are love. you on the waiting list? Look, I have ambivalent feelings about this because space makes people vomit a lot. And <laughs> I'm just, I don't know, I think that I'm sure slightly... they give you a sick bag. <laughs> well, they do that on planes. I don't think it makes us enjoy it. So, I don't know, if somebody if somebody rocked up with a free ticket and said, are you up for mm. it, I, I would go. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know, what, well, what about you? I what, would, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think I would. Amanda, whether I get, whether I'd pass the physical or the med- medical, I don't know. <laughs> Amanda? Not, I think it would be fantastic, you know, just to, even just to do the one orbit and come back, it would be, yeah. But I, I do worry about that motion sickness because it would be, it must be like 10 roller coasters rolled into one in terms of what it does to you. I once did an experiment. Uh, I went to um, an amusement park where they had like a gravity rotor where they Mm. spin, spin, and use one of the worst experiences Mm. of my entire life. Like, like I couldn't move my head or eyes the slightest bit without feeling an incredible. "Mm, Okay, I'm not sure. And this is for actual astronaut training. This is what they do to them, and they make them like solve calculus equations while they're doing it. Just thought I, I can't. I can't do it. I've passed out in a uh, in a uh, an aeroplane once. You know, oh my we were gosh! Doing loop the loops, loop. yeah. The G forces oh were just amazing. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Don't how know did how it feel when you uh, came back? Bizarre. Yeah. Where am I? You know. Mm. And then, then the adrenaline, you know, is still pumping and yes. so forth. And it's yeah. Oh my gosh! Pretty scary stuff. It would yeah. be so exhilarating mm. Mm. Oh, and to absolutely. wake up and yeah. look out the window mm. and see the pale blue dot, mm. but in much more detail. Mm. It would be incredible. So, uh, what do you think? about um, uh, the kids or the younger generation, I shouldn't say kids, the younger generation who are taking part in uh, you know, hybrid world Adelaide and so forth uh, over the weekend. Does that make you excited? 
Yeah, it does make yeah. me excited. Yeah. I think it's an opportunity for kids of all ages just to get exposed to mm. some different ideas mm. and I think critically too, it's not just the ideas it's how those ideas are yeah. put together It's, it's the hands on mm. experience, Just it's not about other people talking about it, you can actually feel it and um, get a sense of it through and I think that's probably one of the memory. big attractions of what's, what you're holding over the weekend, particularly for mums and dads and grandmas and, and so forth and aunties and uncles we keep on hearing about all this mm. We very rarely see it in action. This is an opportunity for me to go and actually experience it, the the fact that it is a reality. It's not just the textbook stuff. That's right. You know, it's it's happening now. It's... It's not really in the future future. Mm. It's it's in existence in schools, you know, even, you know, drone fl- to get a drone flying pilot licence means that you can work for a whole different range of jobs, you know. Firefighters are using it a whole mm. lot more. It's just much easier to use it in, in high-risk areas. I'm sure, I'm sure they sent drones down into the caves during the rescue period. It just means that... Um, that all of these skills are transferable in a whole range of industries. And and I think that's where um, business and the startup community in South Australia is so excellent because we're just ready to give everything a try at the frontier. Mm. Mm. And, you know, South Australia has this incredible legacy of innovation and invention. And I think really Hybrid World has, has sort of come out of that... Um, at, out of that legacy and that that desire to keep exploring new ways of using technology and innovation. Yeah, sounds really exciting. So it kicks off on Friday night at the Adelaide Convention Centre. Yep, the public program runs from Friday to Sunday afternoon and Monday and Tuesday next week is the conference. Tickets are still available. So I can still go to the conference? That's not sold out yet? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, everything's available online and you'll be able to hear more from Alice and all of these amazing people who are contributing to not just the space race but what is our engagement with space on a broader level in terms of innovation technology but also how are we going to manage it. But it also covers robotics and artificial intelligence and uh, ag tech that's pretty much everything that sort of impacts on our lives from food and wine through to space tourism, mm, Alan. Mm. Now, if we do get the headquarters uh, for the Australian space whatever, we're going to have our version of NASA, aren't we? Hopefully here in Adelaide. It'll be very distinct. Yes. So it's going to be like NASA might have been yeah. if it didn't go down its particular path. But I've got, I've got a dilemma for us to solve. What's that, Alan? What are we going to call it? We can't call it ASA. (laughs) (laughs) And we can't call it us either. (laughs) We can't call it... I didn't want to say that. You've said that. We can't, can we? Well, I I can tell you they've got a holding name, which is Australian Space Agency, but this is the subject of big deliberation at the moment because we've kind of got to get that name right. ASA or ASA. Yeah, we need need to to come up with another one. Okay, there's another challenge for everyone. Excellent. We'll workshop that. Thanks very much for coming in. Uh, Website to to get all the details of... um, Hybridworldadelaide.org. Hybridworld. Adelaide, all one word, yep. .org. Go on there, and I'll tell you what, that's uh, yeah, the place to be this weekend with the kids or without the kids even. Leave them at home and go along and have a bit of an explore in your own right. That way you won't feel embarrassed with the Come kids saying, oh, space Come invaders on, on the river. Yeah, space invaders on the big water, water wall on the river. Yep. Can't wait to see that. Thanks very much. Good to see you, and uh, we'll see you on the weekend. Thanks, Alan. All Thanks, right, Alan. stay with us uh, after.